It's time for Supply Chain Now. Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia. Heard around the world, Supply Chain Now spotlights the best in all things supply chain. The people, the technologies, the best practices, and the critical issues of the day. And now, here are your hosts. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now with a whole team. Uh, welcome back to today's show. Today's show, we're continuing our Logistics with Purpose series, which is one of our favorites. This is all about uh, organizations and leaders that are all changing the world in some way, shape, or form. It's powered by our friends over at Vector Global Logistics. And you know, if you, if you listen close, uh, I promise you, you're going to be able to increase your supply chain leadership IQ. A quick programming note before we get started. If you enjoyed today's episode, hey, check us out wherever you get your podcast from and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. We've got a screen full of folks. Got the whole team here. I want to introduce our co-host first, uh, our fearless esteemed co-host. We've got Greg White, serial supply chain tech entrepreneur and trusted advisor. Greg, good morning. Howdy. How are you, Scott? Doing fantastic. I'm excited about this. This is two episodes, so I don't know if people know how we work, but this is two episodes today for Logistics with Purpose. And, you know, we love this series. It's inspiring. Uh, you know, it's just great, great to, I don't know, it, it's a really impressive testament to how Vector works, that they do business with all of these charitable and give forward type organizations. So it's, I don't know. It's rewarding it's, for sure. It's fun, yeah. Well, well put there. Speaking of back to Global Logistics, we've got Enrique Alvarez, Managing Director with Global. Good morning, Enrique. Good morning, Scott, Greg, and uh, Moni. Great, great to see you today, and thanks for uh, having us. It's, uh, I'm excited and looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. And Monica Hernandez, also with Vector. Good morning, Moni. Hi, good morning to everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here today talking about um, all these amazing companies that, that we are um, helping to change the world. Moni, well put. You know, this, that's the common thread in this series is these folks that are, like Greg said, and like you're talking about, uh, giving forward. They're innovative. They're changing the world. Uh, they're helping others. Uh, it's just really, it's been a, a, a hit after hit inspiring innovative leadership stories. So we get the impression doing our homework that this is going to continue that trend. So with no further ado, let's welcome in our featured guest here today, Shane Beerster, founder of Z Beans Coffee. Shane, good morning. Good morning to all of you, Scott, Moni, Enrique, Greg. Thanks for having me. Uh, very excited to uh, share the story of Z Beans and to discuss the, the real benefits that a shared value supply chain can create for all of us. Love that. Man, I, you got our juices Man, going now. Man, he's prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we talk about Z-Beans and some of that, that your professional journey, let's talk more about Shane Beerster, the person. So for starters, you know, tell us where you're from and give us a story or two from your upbringing, Shane. As Scott said, my name's Shane Beerster. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I'm from Pooler, Georgia, currently living in Macon, where I've been since I went to Mercer University. Uh, here in Macon. I graduated the spring of 2018 and uh, started Z-Beans actually my junior year of college, which would have been 2017, after going on a Mercer on Mission academic-based trip the summer of 2016. So it's been you know quite the journey since then. And so a few stories from my upbringing. Entrepreneurship's really always been in my blood. While my father was not an entrepreneur himself, uh, he was always very impreneurial within the businesses within the business which he's worked for. So he's worked for Tubular Steel for the last 40 years, and they've always given him this just massive amount of uh, leeway to really do what he wants to do. And in turn, he's created a supply chain and an operation that is really second to none with, you know, throughout their entire um, organization. Like a lot of young kids and entrepreneurs, started with cutting grass. So, you know, I had 15 yards by the time I was eight, nine years old. And, you know, we keep up with those regularly. Then it turned into focusing on baseball and uh, so much of sport. And, you know, we can go into this and then in further detail, but so much of sport is very much entrepreneurship as well, because you really get to control the product, aka yourself, that you put out on the field. So i uh, always been really interested in entrepreneurship. And when I went to school, Mercer wasn't exactly set on being an entrepreneurship major. Rather, I wanted to acquire a skill set that would enable entrepreneurship, knowing that to be 
successful, I'd ultimately need to be able to build a team around myself. So uh, I was a marketing economics and Spanish major at Mercer, which really you know fit perfectly into uh, doing international business and working with those in Latin America. So that's a little bit of background about myself. Uh, started from um, you know mowing yards to now being able to sell some coffee. Love that. All right. So Moni is going to ask you about your professional journey a little bit more in a moment, but two quick follow-up questions. First off, you mentioned some mission work and some mission travel, international travel you took at an earlier age. What was one really important lesson learned from your travels? So I've only ever went to one place. I've only ever flown to one place, and that's to Ecuador. And so this, uh, the purpose of our academic-based mission trip with Mercer was to see if coffee was a viable alternative to gold mining. But the way we went about that was we interviewed as many coffee farmers as we could in the El Oro region of Ecuador. And we only had three weeks. So, you know, time was scarce. Uh, we didn't know anyone. And so we relied upon a tour guide by the name of Angel Arturo Pinedetto Romero, who has since become a really good friend. So we relied on him to get us, you know, to as many plantations could. At the end of the three weeks, we rationally concluded that we didn't think coffee was a viable alternative to gold mining just because we didn't think there was enough there. We didn't think there was enough scalability in it. And so effectively, uh, we wrote the project off as a group. Through that mission trip, I had the real ability to, to immerse myself into the culture. And as I said, the friendship that I was able to gain with Arturo has since proven invaluable uh, because once I returned to the States, as I said, I was a Spanish major. And so it was a real goal of mine to achieve real, you know, fluency and, and efficiency in speaking the language. And I just couldn't do that in, only in class, you know. I mean, it was so hard for me to get over this concept of messing up and, and sounding illiterate when speaking in another language. But, you know, one of the things that I found with Arturo is, I mean, it, I didn't really have a choice. You know, if we wanted to communicate, I was going to have to get over this concept of messing up, speak his language so we could talk. And that really helped me, you know, start improving uh, drastically. And when I returned to the States after that um, initial trip, Arturo and I didn't, you know, have plans to start, you know, coffee business. Uh, we were just talking three to four times a, a week to, uh, you know, improve my Spanish. But as you can imagine, not really having any topics. There's only so, only, only so many, como estas, you know, you could ask. You have to <laughs> right. How is your dog? How many times can you say that? Right. 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 So uh, it turned it, you know, turned to business. But, um, that was really what I what I found out, and just just this real interest in uh, other cultures. Um, you know, the Ecuadorian culture, Zerumian culture specifically, the small town in Ecuador where Arturo lives, where, I, where the original trip went. They're just so welcoming, and the culture is just so different. So it really just spurred my interest for you know other cultures and wanting to create something in a, in another in another world, basically. Outstanding. One last question before we, we transition. When you're not hard at work at growing the, your, your business and, and spending time with the team and, and customers, you name it. What do you do in your downtime? Well, I'll be honest, I don't have too much downtime. And truly, I say that because the business has never been work. You know, I mean, when I go to Ecuador now for about two months out of every year. While it is, you know, a little stressful trying to get the coffee out of the country and doing it through our way of direct trade and not, you know, having a cooperative to, to rely upon. Um, and it really, you know, being upon my own back, I mean, I enjoy that so much, the ability to do that. And so it, I think that's why we've been able to, to grow as much as we have just because the business. And I've tried to create that with everyone, you know, within Z-Beans now, the 40 teammates that we have is like, what, what is everyone's interest? Like, how can I create this entrepreneurial spirit within them, though that they're working within Z-Beans, which is my entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial venture. It, it's just, it's just a joy. I mean, I, I enjoy watching sports and, you know, doing stuff like that, but really don't have too much time to um, do that outside of sleep and work. <laughs> and eating sometimes, right? Yeah. People. All right. Sometimes. So, Monica, let, let's talk more about uh, Shane's professional journey. Uh, Shane, please uh, tell us about your professional journey prior to your current role, in particular, any roles that um, shaped your worldview. Certainly. So um, I haven't had many. I've never worked for uh, another company. You know, I had the yards that I kept up with when I was a young kid. But what I can really say shaped my entrepreneurial spirit was, was baseball. I, you know, I, I chased the game for 20 years. I played it for a year and a half at Mercer. 
I tore my labrum and my rotator cuff my senior year of high school, which really set me back. I didn't get the scholarship that I wanted, and so I had to walk on to Mercer's team. And so as the story goes, I walked on as a catcher at Mercer, and uh, my freshman year, you know, I really earned my keeps, did a lot of bullpen catching. I got a few at-bats, but I didn't have, you know, many opportunities outside of that. But what I did realize is just how much time I was spending on the game and uh, how valuable my time was becoming. You know, my window was shortening to be able to get something going while I was in college. And so going into my sophomore year, when I met with the coach, I told him that I wanted the opportunity to uh, play in the outfield, you know, actually get some time to play on the field because we had two All-American catchers ahead of me. I knew it wasn't going to happen. And so I returned my sophomore year, and the coaches told me that uh, – or well, going into my sophomore summer, the coaches told me I was going to get this opportunity. They wanted me to slim down, get faster. All right, no worries. So going into my sophomore year, that's exactly what I did. I come back that sophomore year. I have a meeting with the coaches, and they tell me that I need to catch. And so this, this point right here in my life is where I thought I can go one or two ways. One, people are going to continue to tell me what I was going to do, though I worked really hard, and I can hold them you know, to, to be a man of their word, or give in and just go about doing whatever you know, they asked me to do. And so you know, my thing was I need to hold them I need to hold them accountable. You know, this is what they told me I was going to get the opportunity to do. Anyways, I go in there, I tell the coach this, and this said at the end of the fall it, that that conversation didn't sit well, but, you know, it worked out for the best for myself. I was cut from the baseball team, and then four months later, I uh, went down to Ecuador and met Arturo. And so that one, you know, key moment right there, I'm only 24 years old, so I don't have very much professional experience, but that one moment right there where I could no longer go to my father and mother and ask them for advice and, and help them get me through the you know, situation, but I had to really do it myself. That's what you know, kind of gave me the experience to be very confident in the decisions I make. I mean, there will never be a no that I may hear, hear if I'm trying to sell my product or uh, you know, if I have an issue in Ecuador that will ever in, like, hurt me as much as having baseball stripped away did. You know, I mean, for every you know, young kid that's just given everything to the game, I mean, that's all I ever wanted to do, you know, was just play baseball. And so to have that just ripped out and have to make that decision, I mean, really, you know, propelled me well to uh, go on and, and, and be very confident with the decisions that I make moving forward. So, you know, I, I know that's not really the perfect, perfect answer for the uh, professional experience, but that's what I got. I think it is, frankly. I mean, that that's – 20 years of your life at 24, that's, I mean, think about that. You started, must have started with t-ball or coach right. pitch, yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, that's a significant part of your life. And frankly, as a parent of someone your age, I think that's an incredibly mature decision to make. And the thing that you took away from it that I heard loud and clear was you couldn't lean on your parents for that. Right. That is life-changing that is transformational as a human being to be able to do that right so you know I've often said baby birds don't fly because they grow wings they fly because mom pushes them out of the nest and it sounds to me like you didn't even need that push to the you know <laughs> to that same extent you learn to fly on your own and I'm, I'm, I know not totally on your own but that moment was pivotal for your life so I would not minimize that at all that is it's important. Clearly, you recognize that. I think it is part of your professional journey because it put you on this path that you're on right now. Certainly. And I think, you know, I think that'll resonate with any young entrepreneur, especially because there's so many decisions that literally every single day still I'm, I'm making decisions on stuff that I've never experienced before. You know, so I have to just be confident and, and trust in the decision that I've made. Like I don't, you know, have a program to go from for another business that I may have worked in to know that this is the right direction to go. However, I have to be confident because, um, you know, it, like uh, one of my mentors has told me, calm is contagious. When everyone looks to me to make sure, hey, is the you know 35 pound shipment going to get in on time because we're running low on coffee? Yeah, of course it will. You know, like that calmness and that confidence with which I have to act is uh, uh, it's contagious and, and everyone feeds off of it. So, so Monica, we're curious about uh, what other revelation he's had, right? Could you please tell us uh, what has been a key Iroka Iroka moment for you? You know, as, as a young boy growing up in Savannah, Georgia, we always had, uh, you know, the port in, in Savannah is you know, one of the largest on the East Coast, if not the largest now. I know they just treasured it. 
but uh, I would always see the big boats, you know, coming in as, as a young kid. And so I'm always just kind of like, man, what in the world is, you know, on those boats, you know? And so, uh, you know, perhaps this wasn't Eureka, but certainly the coolest moment that I've experienced so far is the first time where I had the opportunity to work with Vector and get our first container in. It was only 14,000 pounds. It wasn't even halfway full, barely came up two stacks high. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, it, uh, it came in. And so I remember sitting there at the, uh, on Bay Street in Savannah and seeing the boat come in. I knew which you know, vessel it was on. It, it was a Sunday, and so everything was pretty much closed down uh, near the ports. And so we had went, you know, I saw the boat you know, come in, and so we went over there. I was with my girlfriend, and we went and looked at the container and trying to find like which container it was, you know, it was by far the coolest awesome. moment of my entire life. Uh, thinking, <laughs> that, uh, thinking that, man, that boat was, was something as a young kid that I just marveled at and wondered what exactly it was. But another story that is probably the biggest, like uh, another Eureka moment is it's my junior, no, this would have been, yeah, my junior year of college. I'm sitting in my dorm room um, with my friends and we were just bringing in a 300 pound shipment. So this was before I was uh, introduced to Vector. There's a 300 pound shipment coming in from Ecuador. Arturo was sending three, you know, 100 pound bags of coffee. And it came into the port of Miami, but I didn't know anything about customs brokers. I didn't know anything about freight forwarders. And so it just came in. And I, I got a call from someone at the, at the ports. So I'm not exactly sure what, you know, why they called or what possessed them to actually like, want to help me out. But I got a call and someone said, hey, you know, we have a package here. Do you have a customs broker and a freight forwarder to receive it on your behalf so we can clear it through customs? And I'm just kind of like, what in the world is that? Like, what, what, where, do I, where do I find one of those? And, and I'm not kidding. I said, Google it and hung up on me. And so I typed it in like freight forwarders Miami or like customs brokers Miami. And I found this one called, you know, Benny Express at that time that could just help me just, you know, find a way to get it to me. So needless to say, that was the most expensive $300, 300 pounds of coffee in the world. But nonetheless, I, uh, I quickly learned about freight forwarders and customs brokers. You know, it's really just kind of symbolic for the whole growth of Z-Bean so far. As, I mean, I, everything is venturing into unknown territory, you know, and so you just kind of learn by doing and greatest teacher in the world's experience and so I just do it and learn from it that's that's probably one of the greatest ones because it's by far the most beneficial piece of knowledge I have now is you know to, to utilize customs brokers and freight forwarders appropriately what a great story and, and Greg I know we're about to dive into uh, Z Beans coffee but real quick that going back to his first Eureka moment about uh, seeing his container coming in Savannah is really cool in that when you're down there on River Street you feel like you're like an arm's length to these massive ships. And even, I'll tell you, not having ever any, had anything on that I've shipped in via one of those containers, I'm mesmerized every time when I'm, we're down in Savannah. The kids love it. The city's massive ships that make global supply chain happen come right. I mean, just almost, you can almost jump on one, it feels like, because it's, it's just that close and it's massive. Well, they are massive. And if you've ever been on River Street, when River Street, for anyone who doesn't know Savannah, is a huge party area. It's kind of like the French Quarter of Savannah, and people are walking up and down that street all the time, sometimes stumbling. But what's amazing is there are hundreds, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people on this street, but when one of those big ships comes through, the whole place stops and turns towards the river. And it's amazing the universality of the of the fascination with those ships, and uh, it is it it's like the it's like the toys you played with as a kid, life size. Yes, <laughs> and it's right there. You know, unlike many other ports where you uh, you, you you can't be right there at it. Savannah is unique in that regard. So if anyone's listening, you haven't been to Savannah, uh, make the trip, especially if you love supply chain, because you you can see it front and center. If you love supply chain or if you love taffy, go to the Savannah Candy Company, <laughs> by the way. No, it's, it's a great story. I mean, um, I, I think uh, it just makes, makes it real. I mean, here at Vector, the first container was moved as well, despite the fact that we didn't really see it. It was not uh, – uh, we didn't go to the port where it was going to be. But it, it, I totally relate to your story, Shane, in the sense that it just makes it so real when you, you know that your product is inside that container, and it's just somewhat – big milestone because a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs might have great ideas, but they never really 
go through the process of making them happen. So I think that going from the your trip to Ecuador at one point and meeting Arturo and becoming good friends to having the idea to actually seeing coffee inside a container heading your way. I think that's that's great and, and yeah, congratulations. Very few kind of entrepreneurs take it that far. So so you're definitely an inspiration for a lot of the younger entrepreneurs out there that uh that are kind of want to be like you at some point. And what would you tell them just briefly? I mean, what would be your advice? How do you go from baseball to, hey, I my first container coming to the port? My favorite book that I've ever read, and it is a very, it's almost cliche now because it's so good, is Simon Sinek, Start With Why, that baseball always gave me that purpose, always gave me that why in my life that, you know, was, was fulfilling and what, you know, permitted me to want to work countless hours on it and um, stay focused on it, stay disciplined. Zevians has done the same thing. You know, as soon as I met Arturo and started meeting the farmers and, you know, started getting to know the farmers and, and, and you know, one of the stories, when I was down in Ecuador on that initial trip, I was with Arturo and my uh, professor, doc, Dr. Uh, Saravia, and we were interviewing farmers. And so we're walking up to the plantation and it's Wednesday, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, like everyone should certainly be in school. There was a young boy, probably eight or nine years old, swinging a machete, you know, just cleaning the uh, shrub around the coffee plantation. So we walked up and, you know, Arturo goes, don't be a star to papa, like, where's your father? And so he calls his father over and we interview the farmer and his young son. And just like that, we leave, you know, we're, and, and we're walking up, leaving the plantation and I'll never forget it. Like it's ingrained in my image and in my mind, this, uh, there was this deflated soccer ball that was at the end of the fence. And that soccer ball just immediately hit me that like, man, if that were my baseball, like I'd be playing with it. Instead, he's worried about putting food on the table. He's not able to go to school. And so it just, you know, it, it really saw like the, the privilege with which I live, like how much it cut me to lose baseball. Like, man, what a, what a real privilege it is to be worried about losing baseball. You know, this young boy is, is worried about putting food on the table. Like, I've never had to worry about putting food on the table. My mom would shoot me a text and say, hey, dinner's ready when you get home, you know, and I'd be in the cage hitting ball, baseball. So it's, uh, you know, it, it really just opened my eyes. And, um, you know, once I established that why of like, man, this is something certainly greater than myself, something greater than I've ever been able to do. I mean. And if I can put, like, measure my success and then in one day that farmer being able to potentially say, hey, my son has been able to graduate high school or my son has been able to go to college, you know, the average farmer's son's dropping out in fourth grade to help his father on the farm. You know, farmers were literally telling us that they have sons to help on the plantation. That is the purpose. And so that, that just stuck with me. And that, that's always been the, you know, the driving factor of the why. And so, you know, while we may have success bringing in containers or opening up a new coffee shop, or whatever it may be, that's just never like gratifying enough to, to just want to stop. Like the ultimate measure of my own personal success with Z-Beans is uh, let's, let's try and get a farmer's son through high school. That would be, that would be a, a life well lived. So that's, um, that's, that's what I would have to say, you know, find that why, and, and don't be afraid to, to be brutally honest with yourself. You know, when I had to come to the realization, like, man, you're quite privileged to be able to, you know, worry about losing baseball. You know, that hurt, but it, it was, it was the honest truth. You know, at the same time, I, I think about your, your first container, right? And you knew what your why was then, I, I assume. Your first container is like hoisting the World Series trophy, for the first time as a, as a ball player, if you think about it, right? It's the moment you thought would never, you never really thought about when it would come or whether it would come or what you would do when it came. But when it did, every bit as excited, I'm sure, as, you know, as winning a trophy, any trophy you won in baseball as a kid. So you, you have done a great job, clearly, of transferring that desire, lifelong desire for baseball into a lifelong desire for giving. And, and I think, it's really commendable, particularly because you spent so much of your life playing baseball. And, and I think that's a great example. If you lose something that important to you, find something else to channel that energy into. And, you know, once you've given up on your dream, right, find a new dream to go after. And I think that's an important lesson to learn here already. And I think we're about halfway through the episode. So I feel like this one is, this one's every bit as, as much learning as we had with Joel Manby this morning, right? So Yeah, and then you're a great storyteller too, Shane, so it's making it incredibly, uh, incredibly, uh, yeah, energizing, I guess. So, so we've talked about kind of epiphanal and eureka moments and that sort of thing, but I, 
and I want to hear about Z Coffee and what it what it's all about and what it does, but I have to know this. So I'm going to go off script a little bit here, Shane. I have to know how you and Arturo got to four got from four phone calls a week to to talking about business to turning it into a business. How did that happen? How did it become a business? We are talking four times a week, and eventually those phone conversations turn into like let's start a business together. He knows I'm interested in entrepreneurship. He knows that I'm a you know economics, marketing, and Spanish major, and want to do work in Latin America. And so that was a, a, a common theme. Like he knew that that's what I wanted to do. And, and Arturo, uh, he, he was now Arturo is not a farmer. Arturo had worked in agriculture. You know, so he's a 65 year old man who had worked in agriculture since he was a young kid. When Arturo and I started talking, you know, he re revisited this concept of coffee. And I told him, I was just like, Arturo, the issue is, is there's not enough coffee. And so Arturo's first challenge of the many, you know, millions of challenges he's now given to me and told me to figure out myself. He, he said, well, why in the world would we just import from El Oro when we can import from all over the country? You know, where we can export coffee from Ecuador, from, all, from, from towns all over the country, you know, to the States. And so, you know, when he said that, I said, well, I mean, you know, that makes sense. As a whole, our, Ecuador produces far more coffee than what I could ever do with, you know, especially for the first you know, 20 years of the business. Three months later, 65 pounds of coffee arrived at my, my parents' doorstep in Pooler. I get a call from my mom. What in the heck have you gotten into? There's 65 pounds of these green-looking beans from Ecuador. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it's, you know, it's completely fine. It's just coffee, and it's from Ecuador. It's from Arturo. And, uh, um, and so she was like, all right, well, so I went and got them, got them roasted and gave it away, and everyone really, really enjoyed it. And so as I started doing some research on Ecuadorian coffee, I realized that very, it wasn't, it's not very popular here in the States just because these cooperatives, which the coffee game re really utilizes to help with logistics, to help with marketing, there's just, there's not many in Ecuador. And farms are so spread out just, but, you know, based on the geography of Ecuador, I mean, yeah, Loja is a, uh, Loja Ecuador is a big coffee producing region, but I mean, we get coffee from Las Lajas, which is far southern Ecuador, 30 minutes north of uh, Peru all the way up to Ibarra, which is you know 30 minutes south of Colombia, and so the 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 logistics behind how a cooperative really can work efficiently it's just not there you know in Ecuador this this game and this kind of like chess this, this game of chess and this puzzle that we had to start piecing together is what became really interesting to me like man how can we do this so you know anyways I get that 65 pounds in I, uh, I had some money saved up so I purchased that 300 pounds that I've already told you the story about. And so 300 pounds comes in, and then that's how I learned about customs brokers and freight forwarders. After that 300 pounds, I started selling. I sold, you know, a good bit of that, and everyone really enjoyed it. And then from there, I uh, got my first loan from an angel investor, which, you know, very grateful is my, my uncle, my father's side, who is an entrepreneur himself. And so I wrote up a business plan, and I submitted it to him, and I asked them uh, to completely pick it apart. Let me know everything that you uh, dislike about it that worries you uh, and so this business plan had nothing to do with building a retail brand the whole concept was just you know sourcing green coffee beans from Ecuador and flipping them here in the states and so Uncle Phil gets back to me two days later he has one question and I said well you know what's that he said can you trust him and so our direct trade supply chain still to this day uh, we don't offer we, we don't operate off of exclusivity contracts a lot of it's um, shaking hands and just operating through this you know, principle of, of shared value, doing right by others, you know, and, it's, and it's, as I told Uncle Phil at that time, and as I still say today, is as long as it's more advantageous for all of us to work together, why would we, you know, ever go uh, behind each other's backs? And so I've just made sure to set up our supply chain to where it's advantageous for us all to work together, you know, and so that's what I told him. And then I said, Uncle Phil, I need $30,000. I want to buy 4,000 pounds of coffee. Can you help me out? Thankfully, he was able to loan me the money and uh, was able to purchase the first 4,000 pounds. And so when I brought that 4,000 pounds in and I actually brought it in by plane, horrible idea because it is <laughs> a little bit expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I sold that my whole senior year of college. And uh, so I would just go door knocking on businesses' doors, uh, you know, just trying to sell the coffee any way possible. But all along, I was trying to build a team, you know, start adding people to the team that, that complemented my skill set. Like, where was I deficient and uh, where can I add? And so, you know, 
thankfully, I was able to um, add you know, two key partners. One's now the chief operations officer of all of our coffee shops, and one's now our chief financial officer. Then from there, I met a, a girl who started doing our graphic design, who's our, our chief marketing officer. And so you know, we've started adding pieces to the team and adding accounts slowly but surely. And um, then we, upon graduating after my senior year, we opened our first coffee shop. And so really just from there, you know, just growing and uh, the, the more I've you know, grown to understand the supply chain uh, and how to source coffee from Ecuador, the easier that aspect has become and the more confident I've become in, become in doing it. So that's really how we've been able to get from, you know, that ground up of uh, phone calls to now where we are today. So is the company today, is it predominantly coffee roasting for other shops or is it your own shops? Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, four coffee shops. Okay. And we also have a wholesale sector of the business. And so one of the things I did early on is I split the business into two, knowing that each will grow at different rates and that, you know, intrinsically I will always be attached to the, uh, the wholesale side of the business. And so the, the coffee shops, you know, they, they're, um, they're run as, as coffee shops. And then the wholesale side, we do private labeling where we roast for other companies. You know, we also sell some green coffee beans. You know, in regards to that selling of the green coffee beans, why I deviated away from it was because, as I said, I brought that 4,000 pounds of coffee in by plane. That was extremely expensive green coffee beans. And when I started giving those samples out to other roasters, I quickly realized that there have to be non-negotiables in business. But most importantly, there have to be non-negotiables in life. When uh, they started, you know, they would ask what the price is, and I told them, uh, they would say, man, I'm normally buying coffee at under $2. And I said, well, you know, I'll never pay a farmer less than $2 in Ecuador. And so it's a, it's a non-negotiable for our business. You know, all the coffees are specialty coffees, but we don't pay, no farmer receives any less than $2 per pound. Because, again, that kind of goes to this transparency and to the trust. I mean, I need each of the farmers and each of our partners to trust me just as much as I need to be able to trust them. And one thing that we have them do is uh, we have them submit over, like, what's their cost of goods sold? You know, because sustainability needs to go both ways. I need to have a sustainable business here. They need to be sustainable. And so they'll submit in, you know, their cost of goods sold. So Milton Rebody Nada, his coffee cost him $1.20 last year, and we had purchased his coffee at $2.40 a pound. And so these sorts of margins – Though he's at the very bottom of the supply chain supplying the raw material, he still has the ability to grow, but so too do we. And so it, it didn't bode well trying to flip the green coffee beans because that's, that'll never be the business that I'm in, you know, just because at the end of the night I have to live with myself. And I'm the one who has to sleep knowing what I do. That was okay. Uncle Phil has grown to understand, and uh, people have appreciated that, you know, transparency and you know, the social mission behind that. And, and the roasting is the value add you can provide that allows you to give the margin to, to your farmers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. That's, that's a great transition of the business to meet your why, Yeah. right? We've learned a little bit about what you do all day, but, you know, CEO, it seems like there ought to be more letters in CEO because, uh, no, you know, you're, you're in front of three CEOs right now, and not one of us does the exact same thing or, and even in different businesses, we haven't done the same thing in those businesses. So tell us a little bit about what CEO means in your world today. Well, first and foremost, I am incredibly grateful now for the team that we have. As I said, my whole goal all along is create entrepreneurial spirits within everyone. Like how can I get everyone to have this mindset of being a CEO within their realm of the business? You know, this will relate to another question that I know y'all ask later, but the biggest thing that we discuss is trust and accountability, trust in everyone to do their job well. Thus, you know, I, I, will, I will trust them, but I'll also verify, you know, that they're doing a good job. So, you know, my day to day is, is focusing on expansion. You know, I like to say, you know, to, to the guys when we're around CEO for me means chief expansion officer. And so any, any ability to try and expand and to find new opportunities is what I think I'm pretty good at. You know, and our operations officer, uh, Carter Varga, he's, he's fantastic and uh, really wears a lot of the burden that comes with uh, issues we may have in the coffee shops, you know, that we may have with HR or on the inventory side. And so it, it's, you know, a fantastic team. And I mean, I could only be as successful as Z-Beans can only be as successful as, as our team is. My ultimate role is expansion, trying to find new opportunities for us. 
and uh, trusting our, our team to be able to do everything else. Hey, real quick before I ask Moni to share about your company, yeah. where are your shops? So all of our shops currently uh, are in middle Georgia. All right. We have three in Macon, Georgia. And again, this is you know where we started the business. We have aspirations to start trying to grow outside of it. Um, and then we have one coffee shop in Columbus, Georgia. Um, and so we're developing these kiosks um, inside of hospitals. And so two of the kiosks are inside hospitals, you know, partnering with other social mission like-minded organizations that create real congruency and really put us in a, in a almost an incubation space of customers. And then um, our wholesale facility is in downtown Macon as well. Moni, I know you work with Shane and the crew pretty frequently, and I'm sure you know a lot about their story. So I'd love to hear, I think our, our listeners would love to hear what you admire about Shane and the company and, you know, some of the, their story or the organization that really stands out to you. Well, uh, I think uh, all the, the history is amazing and very motiva motivational for all the persons that are um, now hearing this history. And I think that, um, that the most that I, that I admire, sorry, is that at his age, how long has been his, he had uh, grow up, you know? I think that a lot of uh, people cannot think as the same as he thinks now. Uh, maybe sometimes uh, that age, we just think about going to party or going uh, with friends, you know? And I know now he's just doing, um, making an impact in the world, you know? And I found that Vector can match with uh, Sid Dean's company because uh, one of our purpose, purpose here in Vector it's also to change the world. And I'm, I think that to change the world, you need to give a little bit of your um, best um, work and best job um, to, the, to the people, you know? So I think that for Shane, the most important thing is not to, to, uh, to have money, you know? It's to help, help people and to help all the farmers uh, in Ecuador and to to have uh, some uh, great uh, grateful you know that for that that people uh, there so for Vector is really a pleasure to work with him because uh, it's an amazing history you know yeah it sounds like it and I'm hopeful that you're saving him a pile on on importing and freight forwarding as well because he should not be left to those decisions clearly Moni. So take good care of him. <laughs> now I would like to say if, if you know just take some time to, to thank Vector because um, and explain how you know came into contact with them and the, the real need that they have filled in the business. So one of the difficult things about our direct trade supply chain is as I said like it's very much been left up to myself to try and build our logistics team and to be able to consistently get product out of Ecuador. One of the biggest things is uh, Marie and Fabricio Paredes, they actually live in Pinas, Ecuador, and that's where our processing facility is. And so the simplicity behind our supply chain is we literally have the farmers uh, get their coffees down to the processing facility, and then at the processing facility, we process everything down. We get a container from the port city of Guayaquil to Pinas, and then from there, it returns to the ports and ships to Savannah. So I, I like to think about it in those layman's terms. Like I need it to be as simple as possible for not only myself, but also for Marie and Fabricio, who are not, you know, exporters. You know, they don't they don't exactly know. And so we have an agent in Ecuador that is really good friends with Marie and Fabricio named Enrique. And so Enrique has been a tremendous help. He, you know, helped us get the original 65 pounds of coffee out of the country. But Marie and Fabricio just feel so confident in working with them. You know, they they have this thing called a token where he can just sign it anything he needs on their behalf. That's how they prefer for it to work. And so one of the biggest things that I was worried about, like finding an agent in the States is like, all right, I know we're, you know, really unique concept here. Like we have an agent in Ecuador that's really a non-negotiable. Like I need you, you, you have to work with him, you know what I mean, for this whole thing to work. And not only that, you know, he can only speak Spanish. And so I needed to find a way to connect, you know, these two links perfectly. And then also with, with Z-Beans. And so obviously I, I would say I'm a seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 in speaking Spanish. I'm very confident in doing it. 
But when it comes to the nitty gritty and on the back end, like I prefer to be delivered the, the tough news or like the really difficult info in English. And so it, just Vector really just meshed all of this, you know, together perfectly, you know. And so when it comes down to uh, every summer and it's time to import, you know, I simply, you know, tee up a, an, an, an email, creating a new email thread. I mean, I, I was going through them uh, just yesterday looking at all the ones for the previous years. And it's just one long email thread for the whole import for that year. And so, uh, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for that and, and their ability to be malleable um, themselves, you know, and to fit within our supply chain. And that's, you know, that's really, um, really helped us. That's what we've seen. I mean, you know, we know Enrique as a friend, as a fellow board member on logistics, uh, on the logistics summit here in Georgia and, and that sort of thing. And we've learned a lot about Enrique and Moni and the rest of the team at, at Vector. And I don't mean to turn this into an ad, but frankly... <laughs> They facilitate business in the way that they're, what we've seen over and over and over is they facilitate business in the way that their client. That's right. Well, and I really think it's just more working with people like Shane, right? So, and I'm just going to flip this back to, to you, Shane, because uh, it's very similar to the example you gave about you kind of, uh, you don't feel like you're working, you're just enjoying what you do. And I think it just for us, uh, Eureka moment uh, a couple of years ago is, we can pick who we work with, right? And, and so we started this series and we started to be a bit more picky and we started to select the clients that we want to work with. And honestly, we're working with people that believe in what we believe, right? So we want to change the world. It's incredibly naive if you just say it out loud, but we truly believe in that. And I think that uh, working with companies like you and, and, and just sharing the same values just makes our days a lot more uh, enjoyable. And, and we believe that we can... Uh, give more impact and, and change the world faster if we just partner with you and, and, and you put it like very, very well, right? It's just as long as everyone's benefiting from this, the world will be a better place, right? And and so for us, we love working with you and, and of course, uh, one thing that I really admire about you and your company is just your, your passion and commitment and just awareness. And Moni mentioned a little bit about someone your age and I'm just going to expand that a little bit because honestly, you that same message that you're giving to other people is applicable to everyone. I mean, me included, and I'm not your age, clearly. But, uh, but I, think, uh, I think you can, uh, you can definitely teach a lot of entrepreneurs out there regardless of their, their ages. So thank you, thank you very much for, for being so mindful and, and so, uh, so clear and transparent about what you're, what you're all about. I think we need more business leaders like that. Agreed. And Enrique is actually 26, so he just got you about a couple of years or so. Yeah, just a couple yeah. of years. <laughs> it's the um, beard. I need to shine. I need to shine. <laughs> but, you know, so so not that we're outsiders per se, because we certainly feel be part of the Vector community, and, and we've really seen that firsthand from this Logistics with Purpose series. But, Greg, hearing Shane and Monica and Enrique share perspective on how they view the world, I mean, is a natural synergy yeah and, you're and, right you know it kind of doubles down on what Enrique was just saying about picking and choosing where there is kindred spirits you know when you can so that that's certainly been part of our journey at least part of my entrepreneurial journey one of my most favorite aspects of that uh and it's it's beautiful to see it play out in from a supply chain standpoint being a you know supply chain nerd I am uh and I love hearing all three of y'all talk about the relationship and the impact you're having to, together working together. So all right, so Enrique, I know we also want to you know Shane's already touched on some of the things outside the business, but we want to continue down that path as we start to wind down the interview, right? It's been a challenging year to say the least, right? Tons of different things happening. Um and so as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, how do you manage these times, I guess, broadly put? What happened to the to the to your coffee shops? Did you have to close them? Is there uh, what's the impact in Ecuador? How are the people in Ecuador fearing with the with the pandemic? I mean, what can you tell everyone out there that maybe doesn't know as much about uh, Ecuador? And then also, what are you personally keeping track of more closely? Is it whatever indicator that yeah. that, that you want to share with us? Sure. Yeah, the uh, Ecuador is hit really hard, um, especially Guayaquil, the port city that we utilize. And uh, Ecuador is such a communal culture, you know, like when we go there, we're constantly around 10, 15 people. And from what we understand and what I understand about, you know, the virus, what we've been told is uh, uh, that's completely counterintuitive to, to preventing the spread of it, you know. And so it, it, it you know, just as a byproduct really hindered their, uh, their, their culture and really hit it hard. 
and so it's uh, uh, like for Arturo, I know he has not you know, left his house in quite some time. I mean, he's an older gentleman, certainly lives a pretty hard life, and uh, I've been worried about him. You know, I trust that he's going to make the right decisions, and I trust that he knows the value that he brings to, to Z-Beans, but most importantly to his family. And so, um, you know, we've talked every single day, and, and uh, what's funny is out of everyone that I've been worried about in Ecuador, I was the one that ended up getting sick. So uh, they've, been, uh, they've, been, they've been fine, and so now Arturo keeps calling me, like, how do you feel? How do you feel? And so, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And when it first happened, one of the most difficult conversations I ever had to have was with all of our baristas at our coffee shops. And I told them all that, unfortunately, we were going to have to put everyone on, on unemployment. There was just no way that, you know, I foresaw us being able to uh, keep up with cash flow, knowing how much demand was going to be stricken. Fortunately, as I said, I, I, we have an incredible team. Carter, our CFO, and Ben, or excuse me, Carter, our COO, and Ben, our CFO, uh, we sat down and each had a conversation. They said, listen, don't want any money. You go work one shop. I'll work another, and you know I'll work the other. And so for almost a month, every single day, we logged every hour in those coffee shops. Didn't shut the shop down once, and uh, didn't take a dime out of the business. I mean, we had some days where we made fifty-five bucks, and uh, we had other days. You know, as soon as it started getting a little bit better, but but you know, no matter what, we were able to keep paying our landlords. We didn't fall behind there. And we were able to be diligent with the uh, opportunities that came about, you know, through the Triple P and the EIDL. And so, uh, you know, we put ourselves in a position to, to stay afloat and to stay alive. So I'm in, I will forever be indebted and grateful for their friendships and for their hard work, you know, and their trust and commitment they have to Z-Beans. Moving forward, one of the key words and, and the indicators of our success and ability to be successful, and I encourage for entrepreneurs interested in working in, in international landscapes is trust. Like I can't stress enough how important the word, you know, trust is in, in a supply chain because sure we could document every single thing. I can have a contract signed by every farmer, but when it comes down to it, if a, a true, just an authentic relationship, I mean, I have the phone numbers, WhatsApp numbers of every farmer. Like today I received a message at nine 30 from Diego Haya from Las Lajas that he was, uh, five minutes out from the processing facility in Pinas about to drop off the coffee. I mean, these sorts of authentic relationships, why would they ever, why, why would I ever have a reason for, to not trust, you know, they're friends, just like Carter and Ben is, though they're 5,000 miles away, you know, to put in the time and, you know, spend two months in Ecuador and just, you know, invest time, invest time, invest time. That's helped our supply chain be, uh, um, you know, be able to overcome the coronavirus. You know, this will be the first year where I'm not able to get into Ecuador to export the coffee and we're also exporting uh, the most coffee we've ever exported you know but I've received a call from every farmer to ensure that hey everything's fine Arturo said everything's fine Maria and Fabricio and so I have no reason not to trust that it's going to turn out just fine it's 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 certainly not easy and trust is certainly earned but I do think is the entrepreneur yourself um, it's your responsibility to go and uh, be willing to build that trust Another book by Simon Sinek, cliche, leaders eat last. One part of eating last is taking the time to build the relationships that will allow you to eventually eat one day. I think, you know, having two months every year is probably a real overkill to spill in Ecuador. Does it hurt our expansion here in the States? Certainly, you know, because no one can, you know, truly go and talk about the business with the same passion that I can, you know, when trying to open new accounts or whatever it may be. And I understand that. But also understand that, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of time and a lot of maintenance to maintain those relationships and you don't want to forsake that. Wow. Let me digest that. You, you <laughs> shared so much good stuff there. Uh, we need to have a, a, an additional hour to dive into a lot of just what Shane shared in the last three or four minutes. But Shane, what a remarkable journey, especially at this early age you've already led. Uh, I know we'll all be here keeping putting our finger on the pulse of what's next for Z Beans Coffee. Let's make sure folks know, and, and, and Monica and Enrique and Greg, fair warning, I'm going to come back around and ask you for your one favorite aspect of what Shane shared. So there's your, there's your warning. Shane, let's make sure folks can connect with you. Let's make sure they can purchase Z-Beans Coffee, visit your stores. What, what's the best way to connect with you and the company? So zbeanscoffee.com is, uh, is our website. On there, uh, there's hundreds of blogs that I've written uh, about my adventures in Ecuador early on. 
the Z beans, uh, you know, was very small and, and it only meant a lot to one person. And that was, well, perhaps two, myself and Arturo. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to be able to look back on it one day and, you know, realize how far I've come, whether or not it's successful, um, you know, it isn't important, it's, you know, being able to see you know, all that I've done. And so uh, there are tons of blogs you can read. On there as well, you can see our product. We ship, you know, all over the states uh, regularly on a daily basis. Um, we have, uh, you know, medium dark roast coffees, but we also import natural honey processed. We do a create your own blend where you can uh, blend your own. So, uh, you know, it's especially coffee, it's especially product, but most importantly, what we do behind every single one of our products is we put a face behind every cup. And so every time you receive a coffee, you're gonna learn everything there is to know about your farmer. His plantation, his plantation's coordinates, uh, fun facts about them, altitude level processing methods. And so that's one thing that we're trying to do to distinguish it. You know, these relationships that I've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to build with them, trying to relay those on to you. And so then if you go to our social media platforms, at ZBeans Coffee on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, I actually, uh, when we make posts uh, regularly, we will uh, tag farmers, and so you'll have the ability to, you know, reach out to your farmer. We highly encourage them to show them how to, you know, get Facebook, Instagrams, and um, you know, trying to create a, a truly personal connection and relationship with them. You can also email me, uh, Shane.Beerster at ZBeansCoffee.com. I welcome all emails. I have a good bit of filters, and so if if it's if it's spammy, it'll go to spam. <laughs> but uh, I welcome all emails. So Shane.Beerster at ZBeansCoffee.com at ZBeans Coffee across all our platforms and ZBeansCoffee.com for our website. We're going to put an order in today. We're going to find out which of our team members here at Supply Chain now Let's drive to love coffee and which don't. Yeah, or we could drive to Macon. That's an even better right, idea, Greg. Right. Or Columbus, right, Shane? Shane, beyond the perspective you shared, just the passion and energy and, and your intentional purpose that you bring to the conversation is, is overwhelming. Our cup overrunneth and, and that's oh. that's <laughs> hey that's the rewarding part about our journey is 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 meeting and, and getting stories amplifying stories like this so thanks so much for what you bring to the table but don't go anywhere because we're gonna go around the horn and we're gonna see what everyone else loved about what you brought to the table today and so we're gonna start with enrique and we'll go to monica next enrique what's your one big favorite thing from shane well tons of really good learning experiences and and good suggestions and and just good ideas in general like you can clearly tell just by listening to Shane for a couple of minutes that he's just incredibly authentic, right? I mean, he means every word he says. He's the real thing. And I think that's actually, again, very refreshing. Uh, and the world needs more leaders like that, people that are not afraid to just tell the story the way it happened without kind of sugarcoating it or without any kind of agenda behind it. And so for me, uh, the way you explain how baseball was kind of stripped away from you and 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 I can relate because I'm still trying to make the Mexican soccer national team. So I, I still need to uh, probably, uh, so you're so far ahead of me when it comes to that maturity level. But, uh, but no, that, that story was great. And the way you handle it, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Love it. Love it. And we'll be, hey, we're, Enrique, we're pulling for you. If you yeah, need uh, not Qatar, the next one, I'll definitely uh, make the next yeah. one. <laughs> well, uh, I'd offer you all my soccer expertise, but That'd be a very just short conversation. That's right. I just did. Uh, all right. So, Monica, what an inspiring story here. I'm jealous of you. You get a chance to, to work and, and help companies like this day in and day out. What was your favorite component of, of the conversation today? Oh, I think uh, it's very inspirational uh, to listen a story like this. Uh, someone like this that is really commitment with all the people and with his own company, you know. And again, I am impressed, impressive, impressive uh, about his story and about how he's growing up, you know, because I think um, I remember the first shipment with us was an LCL shipment. And now it's, it's, it has been um, full containers, you know. So the, the moment that, that he told us that when he received uh, the first container, I cannot imagine me doing that, you know. I cannot imagine how um, happy I could feel uh, looking my container uh, arriving, you know, at that moment. So I think it's really inspirational uh, for everyone that is uh, listening now. Outstanding. All right, Greg, let's, let's, let's conclude this roundabout with you. What was, what's one big thing that stood out? Well, you know, if you give me one, I'm going to take two. Yes. Uh, the first one is uh, what Moni just said, and 
how engaged she is in the success of Shane and his team, how, how inspired and tied into what they're doing is and how much it means to her for them to be successful. I think that is commendable and not that we wouldn't expect it, but I'm not sure that everyone out there listening can understand just how much, how engaged Enrique and his team get with their, with their customers. And in addition to that, I would echo a bit of what Enrique said and the level of maturity, Shane, that you, you show and the amount of introspection I think is the biggest thing. You know, when I think about how you've internalized so much of what you've learned and how you can express it, as Enrique said, you know, his level of maturity is he hasn't let go of, of the Mexican national team. My level of maturity is it's exceedingly for, difficult for me to tell people how I've done things as a leader and that you're able to enunciate that is, is not only it doesn't only help your business today, but I really think it's something you should consider in the future sharing with the world because that's so valuable for other leaders. Yeah, we want to read your book, Shane. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You could publish all those blog articles. You get you, you got a that's book true. ready you to go. You have half of it. Yep. I, I, I didn't realize how much those blogs would eventually, you know, grow to mean to me. Um, and, you know, now it's, 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 I always committed to myself. I would never write those blogs if it felt like a burden. I felt like I was just trying to get it in really quick. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And so um, I've been away from them for a little bit, but, you know, inevitably I always return uh, when I'm looking for that need to, you know, be introspective. It's certainly a need that I, that I have, and, you know, and, and I'm very grateful that I have the ability to fulfill it myself and I have the experience to be able to do it. But, yeah, I enjoy those blogs. We look forward to sharing a couple. In fact, we've, our team's already found Z-Beans Coffee on Twitter. And to our audience, you can also find Shane Beerster and the whole Z-Beans Coffee team at zbeanscoffee.com and across social media, as he just shared. Shane, thanks so much for taking time out and, and letting us feel a part of your story here today. And, and hopefully our audience enjoyed it as much as our team here did. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. For this opportunity. Thank, thank yeah, you so thank much, you. Shane. Yeah, no, this was great. All right, Shane Beerster, uh, founder of Z-Beans Coffee, zbeanscoffee.com. I uh, also want to thank Enrique Alvarez and Monica Hernandez with our friends and partners over at Vector Global Logistics. Folks, Monica and Enrique, I love what y'all bring to the table, these stories and, and you know your culture. I know that y'all don't want, ever want to make this a commercial, but really, y'all's culture just it, Yeah, it you guys got to try harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well you, you don't want to make it one, but we do. Right. We do. We believe in this journey. We believe in what you're doing. It's, it speaks to us. In, in, in the right way and a certain level and hopefully in our little neck of the woods being able to put our little spotlight that we're growing and investing in every day on these stories these journeys these companies out there changing the world and it's it is so rewarding to be part of it so thank you to you both and you can learn more about vector at vector gl.com right okay that's correct okay. and no thank you too as well uh scott and greg i think it's very important that you that you give voice to to leaders like Shane. I think that's very, very valuable, especially these days. So thank you both for kind of just being the uh, medium for in which uh, everyone else can can share some of their experiences because it's, uh, it's very exciting and entertaining and very educational as well. You bet. You said it. You said it. It's all about giving voice to the industry, giving voice to global supply chain leaders and organizations within it. So thank you so much. Greg, what a, what a home run morning but certainly a home run conversation here today. Did you enjoy it as much as I did or more? I feel like we need to connect Shane and Joel Manby. Yeah, I've of course enjoyed it. I mean, this, this has been a great morning and I'm not going to say anything more great about Vector because I'm afraid Enrique will hit me. <laughs> um, but I, re I'm, I really enjoy this and it's energizing to see yeah, this. It was fun. And it's, it's great to see young people. <laughs> young professionals, whatever, people. <laughs> it's, it's great to see people who yes, have uncle. a purpose higher than the business for it. You know, basically, Shane is, he's saving the world $1.20 a pound at a time, right? Two, I, 240 I, mean, I think it is. Well, but I mean, that, but he's putting a buck smart. 20, that's the way I look at it, into, into their <laughs> pocket, right? Yes. I mean, making sure that they make 100% margin is critical, and it's what enables it's what uh, embeds the trust in Shane from his growers, and it's what enables him to be able to trust 
them is because they know that he is out for their their best. Well put. On that note, to our audience, hopefully you've enjoyed this as much as we have. You can learn more about our programming at SupplyChainRadio.com to hear more stories just like Shane and Z Beans Coffee. Find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, the challenge we put out to our audience, same challenge we uh, challenge ourselves with, uh, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. Hey, drink more coffee too because you help folks around the world as illustrated by the story here. On that note, we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.